Hello, beautiful people. DC Actors for Animals presents Beltway Barks on Saturday, September 14th at the Rockville Town Center. The theater and animal rescue communities of DC come together to save animals at Beltway Barks. They'll have around 40 animals up for adoption there that day, as well as awesome pet vendors with toys, treats, and gear, as well as trainers and veterinary services. You'll also get to see award-winning DC actors perform musical numbers from some of the best theaters in town as we kick off the DC metro area's 2019-2020 theater season. Go to dcactorsforanimals.com for details. Beltway Barks, September 14th, Rockville Town Center, dcactorsforanimals.com for details. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. When Eliza Birkin was here to talk about the soundtrack recording of Godspell, we discussed parenting, because we're both parents, and I talk about parenting, because it needs to be talked about, specifically the guilt of parenting, which really needs to be discussed more often. We joined the conversation already in progress. Then my... You know, my boyfriend is right. sitting in the audience and they do a pay like calling John Burkhan, please report to the lobby. And he has no idea oh my what just happened. And so we were like rushing an ambulance to the yard. <laughs> um, oh yeah. My so gosh. it had basically just like created like a two inch gash in my foot. Yeah. Um, and got stitches and all this stuff. And so I was never in the show again. It had nine. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. yeah. Nine performances. Well, if you're and I there to dance and you can't walk, that kind of doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, oh my god! And then I did Chicago at um, That's a lot of dance shows in you're in here. Yeah, because um, you didn't. What'd you do with Don Mike? Okay, so then after Chicago, I did um, uh, not a chorus line. It's a big tap, Forty Second Street. Oh, that's right. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was like I think Still, that was 2011, yeah. like right before the sing off. Sure. Um, and that was with the Arlington Players. And that was a whole lot of fun. And that was legit tap dancing. Right. And they had tap dance clinics running up to the audition, which like... Oh, that's good. If you didn't go to those... You, you weren't going to get in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like when a community theater does Shakespeare and they do free dialect class. Like, right, right. You have yeah, to go to that. Yeah, you're going to go to that. Yeah, yeah. not going to make it. Um, and, and that was super fun. And wow. I wanted to just keep tap, tap dancing or whatever. But then I had... a my first child I had a baby and so yeah. yeah so the dream is to get back into a show age. maybe do like yeah. a show a year you know that sure. type of thing but it's you know being gone three to five nights a week sure is not easy when you have a couple kids at home and, yeah you know i do i 100 yeah. <laughs> yeah so how do you like, oh, i'm not supposed to ask you questions you can ask me questions um, <laughs> we have to pause real fast yeah I have to go put on Daniel Tiger for my children. Oh. Well, it depends on what I'm doing. When I'm writing for like Adventure Theater, which I did last summer and I'm doing again at Christmas time, mm-hmm. uh, we've rehearsed during the day. So. Um, Wait, I'm going to interrupt. Sorry. Yeah. So when you write, so Adventure Theater is uh, children's theater, right? Yes. Yeah. So you, when you write for them, you're you're also the director. No, no. I just, oh. I'm just the playwright, but I'm always there. Um, at, at, so my. Basic is going to turn into a proper interview. My basic, uh, um, as a writer, I will be there all the time. I will be there as much as the director permits uh, because I want to be, two reasons. One, I want to be there. I like being in the room. That's one of the reasons I like doing this uh, for money. But uh, another thing is that 
if I'm not there to answer questions, people are going to either do one of two things, try to find me, which is always, you know, then I might as well be there, or they're going to make a decision on their own, mm-hmm. and I'd much rather be there to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it, it's a weird vibe, and a lot of directors I work with for the first time are always very skeptical of having me around, because mm-hmm. a writer who wants You're to be around... You're going to step on their toes. Right, exactly. Fear. Yeah. But I'm not that guy, and mm-hmm. I and everyone who's worked with me will, will agree with that statement, that I am there, I know the chain of command. I'm mm-hmm. there to say, I will pull the director aside mm-hmm. and say, I don't like this, or I object to this, or whatever. But I do it outside the room, and it's the director's show, mm-hmm. basically. Um so I like being there, and I like be, you know I rewrite. I love to rewrite. That's that's my job, basically, is you know like to 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 fix things that aren't working, to change jokes, to change. Once you have an actor saying the lines, the lines are alive, and I can go like, that's the wrong thing. That's mm-hmm. this moment doesn't work, right? Or the inflection of that joke isn't coming through, and that's either my fault or not. But I'm here to like tell you what I intended, and then we'll mm-hmm. try it that way, and maybe it still doesn't work. But right. th- if I'm not here, we can't do those things. That's the process to me, is, the, is the rewriting part. Um, and I'm also, I've been there since the beginning. I'm the one who wrote it. So like, it, it's good to have somebody from the inception part to be there, to be like, this is why I wrote it this way. Mm-hmm. If that's not working, great, we'll change it. But right. it, And also people are get very skeptical of when I say things like, I'm here to rewrite. That's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really mean that. And mm-hmm. we'll go away at night and rework scenes and bring them in fresh the next day. And mm-hmm. uh, I have to be told to stop because I'll keep writing all the way up. When we're doing stuff at like Adventure, when it's, when it's like that level, I'm rewriting even in previews. Like I'm, we oh, put, wow. up, we put okay. up a preview in the afternoon. I'm rewriting scenes and we'll, re- we'll change them for the evening preview because especially with with uh, family theater once you get kids in a room mm-hmm. and you're like okay that scene is far too long because we lost them two pages in right so it's mainly cutting it's not like so much rewriting but if anyone's going to do it 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 should be me. should be you right and uh so that's that's a little easier um from that that's easier and harder because uh if i'm gone all day my son's at school mm-hmm. but my kids my my girls are here and uh I'm usually back to put them to bed, which is the hard, the hardest part of the day is putting the girls to bed. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I do, like when I worked with Flying V, which is uh, still a professional theater, but but um, mainly non-equity and mostly everybody has another job, we work at night, exclusively at night. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's um, se- that's six days a week. Wow. Um, and for three, four hours a night. And yeah, you're going and home at 11.30 and then, or midnight and then up again at 545 which is when i get up to start with the girls so it's yeah that gets old pretty fast yeah. but those rehearsal periods are generally about five weeks and then that's you know okay. that's pretty much it right and i don't the other fun thing is as a writer though is i don't have to be there like if mm-hmm. i decide i'd rather take the night off i can i'll tell everybody like i'm not going to be there tuesday because you're doing whatever and i don't i don't right. need to be there for that um and it's also good to be missed. I like to come back and be like, oh, you're good. You know, you're here for that. Right. I can leave tech at midnight if it's still not done because I don't need to be here for that right. if I don't want to. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just it, – but it is very hard when you have kids to sort of – in addition to the time of it, you just end up feeling kind of selfish a lot of the times where uh-huh. you're just like, oh, I missed X, you know, like and I yeah. could have, you know. Okay. Uh oh! <laughs> I, I want to ask you something else. Ask me something else. Okay, so mom guilt, yeah, is, is a real is thing. A real thing. And I've often wondered, what about dad guilt? That depends on the dad. Um, to be entirely candid, mm-hmm. I I a hundred and thirty percent 
have dad guilt. Mm-hmm. I have above average mom guilt, frankly, mm-hmm. um, which is my personality. I'm a worrier. I mm-hmm. I get very. I, I get I get I wake up in the morning and feel guilty about stuff that has not happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my brain. That's mm-hmm. how I function. Mm-hmm. So that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met dads who don't have any guilt and feelings about anything. Right. Frankly, I'm sure they love their kids. Right. But it's it's an expectations thing. I think a lot yeah. of guilt comes from expectations, yeah. both what we hold ourselves to and also what we feel other people hold us to. Yeah. And one of the ways I. The, one of the most valuable things for me in my like development as a human being was when I was a stay-at-home dad for the first like four years of my son's life mm-hmm. until he went to preschool, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'd take him to the library and I'd be the only guy yeah. there. And the number of people who came up to me and were like, oh my God, you're so great for doing that. This yeah. is so amazing. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I remember thinking at the time, two things. One, I'm just taking him to the damn library. It's not very hard. I actually feel like I should be doing more. Like, this is terrible. But then also looking around and being like, no one's saying that to to any of the women who are here. Whether they're moms, grandmoms, aunts, or paid. No. That's their job. That's their job. job. Exactly right. And it made me really go, this is crap. Yeah. Like, that's that's nonsense. Because I don't... It also... Like, my wife is such an amazing natural mother. Mm-hmm. Like the, I have to kind of activate parts of my brain to get into the parenting mode and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't come super naturally to mm-hmm. me. She just knows things about mm-hmm. like fevers mm-hmm. and like what to do and like that you shouldn't fill your kid's room with toys. Like she knows mm-hmm. those things. I don't mm-hmm. know those things. I have mm-hmm. to learn them. Mm-hmm. So like she's amazing. No one's complimenting her except me. Mm-hmm. And like that's, and even like, People we know who are like, yeah, people should really compliment moms more. Still compliment me more than they compliment her. It's ingrained in our brains. And like one of my big, like my pinned tweet on Twitter Mm -hmm. is dads, you can't babysit your own kids. Yeah, right. I hate it when dads are like, I'm babysitting all day. It's like, no, you're not. You're there. Right. Babysitters come in and take care of kids when the parents can't be there, either for money or because they're family. Right. You don't babysit your own children. Right. You are with your own children. So freaking be present and be with your own children. Right. And... But culturally, that isn't how we think. It's not how we're taught. And it's so ingrained that we don't even realize it's there. Right. You know? Like, it's only because I feel guilty all the time and I have a very analytical mind that when someone started complimenting me, I didn't go, thank you very much. I went, that's weird. Yeah. That's my natural reaction yeah. to, like, 90% of social interactions. Right. Like, that's weird. <laughs> Why do we do that? Um and then having a son with autism mm-hmm. is really opened my eyes to that whole thing of just like, our, all, it makes you question every social convention we mm-hmm. have because my son questions every mm-hmm. every social convention he questions. Mm-hmm. He used to cry uh, when you blew out, sang happy birthday and blew out his candles mm-hmm. to sob. And my mom would be like, that's so weird. Why does he cry mm-hmm. when the birthday candles blow out? I said, I want you to think about this for one second. Mm-hmm. We're all standing around being loud Mm -hmm. first of all which he doesn't love but he's Mm -hmm. hanging with his family Mm -hmm. we then as far as he's concerned this is what's happened we were all hanging out being fine we suddenly turned off the lights and brought in something that was on fire and started yelling at him yeah like it and then we and then we asked him to do something right like it's weird yeah it's weird it's weird that we do that right but we all just as social beings go fine that's what we do that's what we do that's what you do at birthdays and so yeah for Dad guilt is a real thing, and I. Mm-hmm. But I think that culturally, not everybody experiences it because they're not expected to. Mm-hmm. In a kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of dads who don't work, who still mm-hmm. also don't really like full tilt 
haven't gone Mr. Mom, you know, mm-hmm. in that weird, in, mm-hmm. that, in the Michael Keaton sense mm-hmm. of it all. Right. Um, whereas I did a yeah. thousand percent. Like that was my reg. I would, I feel like I would have been that way even if I wasn't staying home with him all the time. I'm because I, I, just knowing my personality, knowing how guilty I feel that yeah. when I was home, I would have been down on the floor and yeah. been like, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing right. this right. right. You know, because right. that's basically right. how mom guilt makes you feel. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to feel selfish if mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to be gone four or five nights a week. Well, and also because we don't have regular nine to five mm-hmm. jobs. Right. So, I know there's the whole money aspect, too. It's like it's also, if, I it's, was, if I was bringing in a couple million a year, I'd be like, eh. Well, that's true. But when you can't come uh, – for, for me, it's more like when you can't – like my job takes me – places yeah randomly right and like it'll be nothing for months and yeah. then all of a sudden i'm gone Super busy, yeah 40 hours a week right and it just it isn't that kind of regularity that i think you we want to instill with our kids is like no from like nine to five i'm gone but then mm-hmm. i'm here right. all the other times right and then every now and again dad you know yeah. mom and i'll go out right or we'll go on vacation right. or something right but it'll be special yeah I'm around and then I'm not around. Yeah. And they're, as far as my kids are concerned, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like yeah. just suddenly daddy's in New York for a week. Why? Don't, it would take far too long to explain. Right. Uh, but it's all part of the job. It's mm-hmm. all the things. So then, yeah, I can see how adding on to that, like something else would make you go. As a journalist who sort of like pulled around and then doing a radio show. And then you're like, and I want to do some theater. Right. Very reasonable self-care thing. And it would also make you go, uh. right, right, yeah. right. And you, you know, I mean, I, and do you miss I, stuff, yeah, yeah. And do I, do I need to be like home with my kids from like four thirty to you know when we all go to bed right. every single night? No. But if I was only doing that like a couple times a week, you know, yeah, I'd feel like I. How was Sally's field trip? I don't know. I didn't talk yeah. to her about it. You know, so it's it it's is weird, hard to find the mouse. Things sneak up on you. I know. I'm thinking the 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 key to life. Oh. Wow, here we go. We're going to solve it, guys, right here and right now. (laughs) Is to choose a few things at a time. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like right now, you know, I've got got a radio show, just started a new new gig at a a magazine. Right. It's going to be good for now. I sing jazz here and there. Yeah. And down the road. Right. You know, maybe some of that's put on pause when they're older. And I do this thing. Then we're, you know, you can't, the whole like do it all. You can do it all, sort of, but not all at the same time. Is the I'm not the first person to say that, but well, it's the it's the reaction we have. For me, it's you have to be aware of your. Maybe it's the same sort of thing, just with different words. But you have to be aware of your priorities. It, it's like, yeah. Do I do I need like because it's also like what am I teaching my kids? That was the other thing. Like mm-hmm. when I when when I be, when I started staying at home with my son. And I was sort of, and I was just switching from, like, I was giving up filmmaking and going into playwriting full time. There was part of me that was like, this is going to pull me away mm-hmm. from him mm-hmm. in large chunks of my life. And I started to really think about, is that a good thing or a bad mm-hmm. thing or whatever? Right. And I kind of had this paradoxical thought that another weird thing we teach people about parenting is that we teach our kids they can be whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And they can do whatever they want and yep. they should do whatever they want until they have kids and then they should stop everything and raise their kids to <laughs> yes! be whatever they want. Right. And it's a total, like, what are you talking about? Like, right. if I want to do that, like, I was raised to believe I can do whatever I want. Right. And so if I tell my son, you can do whatever you want and I don't do what I want. Right. 
that's then I'm a hypocrite. Right. It's the thing of like follow your dreams until you have kids and then shut up and do everything for your kids and then right. hate them right. for making you stop doing whatever you want. Right. No, you stopped doing whatever you wanted. Right. And yeah, it's harder. Yeah. It's also the permission to like give up the st- you find what you truly love. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to do it all, like you said. Right. You I don't I don't have really I'd like love. to learn the flute. I don't have to go learn the flute. Exactly. Right. Or you can you, you feel like you could be performing more. Right. What does that mean? Yeah. Could you be performing more? Probably. Yeah. Would that make your life better? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's up to you. Right. But it's the thing of of like especially when we're in our like thirties and forties, mm-hmm. of being like, Am I good? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm trying all the things I want to try. Mm-hmm. If a real opportunity comes along, maybe I'll hop on it. Yeah. But like, I don't need to go find one. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Like, and you achieve this sort of equilibrium. Right. But it is also the, to me, it comes back to the, the, the view, another cultural problem we have, which is the concept of the happy ending, which I rail against all the time. This idea of like, you do this and then you set it and forget it. And like, now I'm done. I'm yeah. like, I'm married and it's done. The right. movie fades out. And it's like, no, I'm a parent. And then my kids get older right. and my career changes. Right. And I'm doing like it is never over. We are doing we are living until we die. Right. And so to like be looking for that finale. Yeah. Of being like, nope, I got it. I got the perfect job. I got the perfect thing. And it all evens out. It doesn't. No. I've never met I've met some very, very successful producers, directors, mm-hmm. performers in my life. And all of them feel like it could all be taken away from them at any moment. Sure. They never relax. And realizing that, even in my like late 20s i still sort of believed that like no i'd hit a point where i would be like and now i'm successful but actually would be very boring yeah and it isn't true right you don't you don't ever relax you keep work now you you learn i think to calm down yeah but you don't you don't stop you keep working you try new things you find new challenges you know you start a radio show when your career is at a certain point right you just do that you look for the challenge and then when it comes you jump on it Mm. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at Unknown Penguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help people find the show. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. My thanks to Eliza Burkon for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. 